Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Omarpreneur Live podcast, episode number 12. And in this special, unique episode, I have one of the long-awaited guests that I've been wanting to bring on this podcast for a while, Sister Halima D. Oliveira, the CEO of BU in HD. And to give you guys a little quick background on this sister and what she does, she helps women in faith achieve more success in their life and business through her coaching programs. And she is also the creator of the popular play that you might have heard about called Not Without My Hijab, which highlights the struggles many teenagers face when it comes to embracing their Muslim identity in a culture where it's often negatively perceived. And she's also the author and writer of the book with a similar name, Not Without My Hijab, 11 Steps to Reclaiming Your Faith. And in this episode, we'll discuss with Halima the journey as an entrepreneur that she went through, her experience creating the play, what inspired her to create something like this, as well as her book, her coaching business, and everything else that she does, and how she manages to do it all, inshallah. So I'm just super honored to have you, Sister Halima. Thank you for taking the time out of your very busy life to share your value and your story with us today. Jazakallah khair. Wa'alaikum amin and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, to you uh, for having me and sharing your platform for me to be able to share my story. I'm so appreciative. Honestly, it's the honor and the pleasure is ours. And I'm so excited to dive in and just share all of your gems with this group. And I'm sure they will immensely benefit, guys. This is an episode not to miss. And of course, we start off every single episode the same, which is to have the guests share a little bit about their story of how they became an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people in this group who are entrepreneurs love to hear the stories behind entrepreneurship. And with you, Halima, I guess my question to you is, did you always know that you wanted to become this businesswoman, this playwright, this author, or is it a journey where you naturally stumbled upon this path? How did you become an entrepreneur? Sure. So um, <laughs> I was an entrepreneur uh, prior to this particular path. So I ran a cleaning business, uh, believe it or not, for wow. uh, 10 plus years. And I also was together with my husband uh, in a construction business. So uh, the entrepreneurship bug hit uh, pretty early. But it wasn't something that I saw as a vehicle to be able to do what I'm doing right now. Um, it was kind of a way to get out of the nine to five um, hustle and to kind of, uh, you know, live my life on my own terms. Right. Um, I took a trip to Brazil and I remember taking an 11 day vacation to take this trip to Brazil. And, you know, it was pre-planned, et cetera. And uh, because I was in management, uh, you know, a supervisory role. I got a call while I was on vacation. Hey, we need you to cut your trip short and we need you to come back. And okay. I don't know about you, but that was like the biggest bummer because in my head sure. on the eighth day, I was like, man, we should extend the vacation. Of course. So to get that call, you know, a couple of days later, like, hey, we need you to cut it short and we need you, you know, back here uh, to put out a few fires. That was the day that I decided, you know what, um, I need to, uh, you know, take better control over my finances and over my life and entrepreneurship. Through entrepreneurship, I was able to do that. And so right. uh, that's kind of how I started on my entrepreneurial journey, uh, basically a selfish reason uh, to be able to do more. <laughs> it really was, you know, to be able to do more of the things that I wanted to do. Um, mm -hmm. Very, you know, successful in both, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Uh, but, you know, five years ago is when I truly uh, came on the path that you now see me on, where I'm mixing faith and uh, entrepreneurship um, and really going into that aspect of it. Um, you know, I went away from, you know, faith. I went away from Islam for a few years. Um, it, it, 
it was a lot, but a few right. years. Um, you'll you can read it in the Not Without My Hijab book. Um, and if you're in any uh, class with me, I tell my full story. But uh, you know, through that you know uh, story, I said to myself, you know what, um, you know, sharing some of the struggles that I went through as an entrepreneur, and then coming back covering. Uh, you know, being in the corporate space and covering and not being perceived, you know, received in the same manner I was received when I wasn't covering. Um, yeah. I wanted to uh, create a platform where more women like me or women who wanted to pursue careers like me, especially the younger generation, but were not seeing a representation of their covered identity in those spaces that they wanted to find themselves. And so Definitely. I wanted to create that empowerment for them, you know, That's from amazing. young all the way up. Michelle, and that's that's usually I think uh, I, I can definitely relate in the sense that I think every uh, well I'm a millennial myself and and I feel like we all go through all this gener generality but I feel a lot of us go through a period where we have that struggle with our faith right we have that struggle with our, our Muslim identity and how we can embrace it when we live in a Western culture and where it's often negatively perceived uh, mm -hmm. and I think that when we go through that uh, some of course may then you know decide this is not for me but a lot of people who go through that then end up coming out stronger and with yes. that passion, that fiery passion to help others overcome that struggle as well. And that is what inspired myself to create Omapreneur as well for Muslim entrepreneurs. And it's amazing to hear that that's what inspired you as well to create your brand that helps Muslim women specifically. So Halima, what is the first thing you started in terms of an entrepreneur and what you do now? Was it the play? Was it the book? Was it your coaching business? What was the first thing you did? It actually started out as events. So okay. I started out as events. I really like wanted to, uh, you know, get into the community and, you know, just really touch, you know, the women in the community, um, mm -hmm. both, both women, you know, of my age and maybe a little bit older. I'm 42 at the time when I started this. Um, I was like 38, 39. And so Mashallah. I really wanted to touch that uh, particular demographic. But then also speaking to the age that I went away from Islam, which I was 16 years old. You know, I graduated mm -hmm. high school early and I was on a college campus at 16 years old, making this adult decision about right. my faith because um, I couldn't see past, you know, the right now. And so um, I wanted to touch those two demographics. And believe it or not, um, during uh, the uh, previous election, when this current administration was being elected into office, I was sitting in the masjid. And I was watching, you know, my generation, and then I was watching the daughter of that generation. And on that Friday, that Juma after the election and after, you know, that Tuesday election, right, yeah. was announced. I was watching, you know, just how uh, that was happening, just how that was coming about. And I remember watching two young ladies leave the masjid and take off their hijab uh, just because they, they just couldn't imagine, you know, what life was going to be like post you know, this person coming um, into office. And it wasn't just them physically taking off their hijab, it's what that stood for. And mm. as the person that sits in my seat that did that at 16 years old, I know exactly what that's what that stands for, you know, wow. and, and, and then what is going to, you know, happen. And so it started out as events, um, just really uh, being able to touch uh, though, that those two demographics, also being able to touch the uh, people of other faith traditions that may have family members that, um, you know, are, you know, that don't understand why a person would uh, convert to Islam or revert to Islam, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of having that dialogue. And the very first event that I held was in Philadelphia. 
And I had a more mature woman in the audience who was the mother of a daughter who had recently uh, reverted or converted to Islam. Mm -hmm. And she just couldn't understand why in this current climate with this current administration getting ready to come into office, why would she convert now knowing, you know, what the after effects of that were going to be. And through this event of me sharing my story of other women in the room sharing their story of how hard it it is, you know, working in an environment that, like you said, um, does not necessarily accept or is friendly to, you know, us as Muslims and especially as covered Muslims, you know, front facing Muslims, um, you know, just just her being able to see that dialogue and to see some of the struggles, it totally changed her perspective. And when I caught her feedback, um, it happened to be her birthday that day. And so she came up to me and I gave her a gift and I just said, you know, thank you so much for being here. And she said, you totally changed my perspective, one on Muslims and also, you know, all that you guys go through. And that kind of was the the switch okay, what else um, can you do? And even the young ladies that came to that particular event, uh, there was a group that came from my home masjid um, in the audience and they said, Halima, okay, this event was great, but what else? What are you Mm -hmm. going to do next? We need more. We need more of this of what you're doing. And I was like, well, I thought this event was it? You know, <laughs> just kidding. I was like, no, you know, I thought this was, you know, the thing. But deep down, underlying, I always wanted to write the book, not without my hijab. Um, but much like, you know, coming back to faith and coming back to covering, uh, you know, took seven years. It was a seven year process for me to be able to do that and to gain that confidence, um, you know, back in, you know, what it is to be Muslim, what it is to, you know, showcase everything you know uh, you know starting from the heart from the inside the you know inside out you know mashallah and so my first book was not not without my hijab so i had to write the baby book because i wasn't brave enough to write not without my hijab at first so this is the baby book so this is actually my first book it's called the first hijab you can actually uh mashallah see it on uh you can actually find it on amazon okay Um, and i wrote this book my daughter's name is jenna And at the time, uh, she was nine years old. And of course, you know, beginning to think, you know, wearing hijab, should I, shouldn't I, in that type of conversation. And uh, one morning we had a conversation about it and I, you know, showed her where to find it. You know, why do, you know, women wear hijab or why do we, you know, do the things that we do as Muslims in the Quran? And from that conversation, you know, I saw that, you know, it's something that she was curious about. And I said, you know what? There are probably other mothers like me that are having this conversation with their daughter or maybe don't know how to start uh, this conversation with their daughter. And so let me write this book um, and see if it will be helpful to them. And so um, literally, uh, I wrote this book um, overnight. So uh, basically, I had this conversation with my daughter. The next day, I prayed Fajr and I just sat with my phone and I wrote this book. Mashallah. Um, can you can you walk us through a little bit of what what kind of story is inside? What does it go through? Sure. So first first it just talks about so it introduces you to the character of Jenna. Jenna, of course, in the beginning of the book is not wearing hijab. Mm-hmm. Um, she has an older sister whose name is Nyla, who is embarking on the hijab journey. And it really talks about hijab as a choice and as an okay. individual choice and how uh, you, you, we kind of come to it on, on our own or we should come to it on our own. Yeah. 
um, our parents, inshallah, give us the guidance of where to find, you know, where it says in the Quran or where what hadith talks about hijab or it just talks about faith um, and identity in general. And yeah. then we find our own place in it. So um, when you look at the cover, uh, Jenna chooses a blue um, hijab. Right. And so um, when they're in the store. So I grew up uh, for part of my life in Medina, Saudi Arabia. So just thinking of the souks uh, that you find, um, you know, overseas, I kind of incorporated uh, that experience of living overseas into the story and then going into this hijab store and choosing the hijab. And um, wow. this also came from subsequent workshops after that first one where, you know, some of the girls were wearing hijabs, but they weren't comfortable in them. One, they weren't the color that they wanted them to be. The style was their mother's style. It wasn't their style. And so in the book, it talks about, you know, choosing the color, choosing the style. Is it the style that you want to wear? Is it the way that you want to express yourself? And then how that can help a person to embrace their identity a little bit more. So uh, we're packing in a lot of information in this wow. uh, small book. Um, and Mashallah. we've sold over 1,400 copies uh, plus. I, I lost count um, of this particular book. A lot of adult women. Uh, purchase this book. I think um, it would be extremely, yeah. I, I mean, even though it's catered for children, I think any person reading a story like that can get something out of it, right? And can get some inspiration out of it. Um, and it's funny because these books that are kind of catered for a younger audience usually have the material presented in a very simple to understand and in a very pure format. And the beauty of that is that even as an adult, you can kind of pick this up and after 15, 20 minutes, you you have that gem that you can just take away with you um, versus sometimes, you know, as adult books kind of make it a little bit longer, more complicated, which of course serves a better purpose, but then takes a little bit more time to understand the message behind it. Uh, so I think that's beautiful. I definitely recommend for all of you listening, inshallah, to check that out. Jenna's first hijab available on Amazon uh, by Sister Halima. Now, Halima, you also have, in a lot of the things that you do are, related around the hijab, right? They're focused around helping women, specifically Muslim women that wear the hijab, which I think is an extremely powerful message because again, I myself, I'm a, I'm a Muslim male. I cannot speak for females and the struggles they go through, but I can tell you that all uh, my sisters, my mother, they wear the hijab. And I just have an, an insane amount of respect for the fact that they go out there every single day and they wear their religion on their head, literally, right? Like they're mm -hmm. just saying, I'm Muslim and this is me. And and you know, sometimes it's 30 degrees out and you gotta wear the hijab and you gotta go out there. And, and I feel like as Muslim men, sometimes we take that for granted, right? Like, you know, yes. yeah, it's hard being a Muslim. I mean, try being a Muslim woman, right? Like try it for a day, then come and talk to me. So um, definitely, so I, I definitely respect the, respect immensely uh, what you do and, and the message behind it. Another thing you did, Halima, of course, that you're very popular and known for is your play, Not Without My Hijab, right? Which is also focused on the same topic. And this is a play that is now in its third year, mashallah, um, touring the United States. You guys are going to play it in several states this year, uh, and it's always very well received. Uh, I've noticed that even sometimes you'll go in a state, you'll have the play run three times in a day uh, because it sells out, mashallah. So I'm super happy to see that, alhamdulillah. Can you tell us, what inspired you to create this play in the first place? And how did you put together the team, the actors, to, to make this play come to life? 
inshallah. So um, the book came first. So I wrote Not Without My Hijab first. Again, I told okay. you I was afraid to write it. So I wrote <laughs> Not Without My Hijab. I started writing it the same month that I wrote Jenna's First Hijab, which okay. is in March of 2017. Okay. Um, I released Jenna's First Hijab in May of 2017. I didn't release Not Without My Hijab until November of 2017. I like wrote the book. I wrote the first five chapters, and then I put it down. Um, just think about, you know, uh, just the fulfillment that you find in being a Muslim and being connected yeah. to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, you talk about Pushu, you talk about that connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even yeah. if you've only found it once, uh, you continue to seek that, you know, connection. And, you know, imagine having to write a story that talks about how you were so disconnected. You were so to the left of yeah. that, you know, having that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it was basically reliving. Uh, so I was away from Islam for 20 years. Wow. 20 years, exactly. And so imagine having to relive those 20 years of not having con a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I will yeah. tell you that. Although you were, so, I was probably surrounded by millions of people, um, you know, very electric personality, very, you know, people drawn to me, mashallah, but I was very lonely. And it was mm. because of not having that connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, writing this book was not as easy uh, as just putting pen uh, to paper. This one took a little bit more uh, than writing that first book and then, you know, the subsequent book after this one, uh, or the planner after this one. But um, in this book, you know, I talked about my story at 16 years old and moving away from Islam. And so yeah. that same year, I was approached by a production company that uh, does plays uh, about, you know, social issues, but uh, from the standpoint of youth. And okay. so, subhanAllah, the book came out in November 2017, November 24th. I was approached by this production company November 27th of 2017. And okay. we were uh, promoting this play in December. And so basically, uh, you know, we got to work immediately. Hey, Halima, what is the story that you want to tell? And I said, you know what? Um, this all came around, you know, 14, 15, 16. Um, and 16 is when I was like out the door. And so, you know, that dialogue, if I had had, you know, possibly a different dialogue when I was, you know, standing on that college campus and looking to my right or my left and not seeing anything that looked like me, there were Muslims on campus, but none of them looked like me. And so yeah. to, to be able to have that auntie that maybe could have had that conversation with me or it possibly, you know, had this play or this dialogue around how I could, you know, kind of navigate that time in my life and that this time in your life, although it seems like, you know, it's the worst thing that could ever happen, the four walls are closing in on you, this is not going to last always. And yeah. that, you know, uh, you know, you're going to come out on the other side of it. And also you can make the positive in, um, impact. And so uh, that's how the play came about. Uh, we really wrote the script together. Uh, Bilal um, Islam is the writer of uh, the play along with myself. Um, and he just really took my story and uh, made uh, the stage play for it. So the backstory okay. is mine. However, uh, he took the story and uh, presented it for um, stage, alhamdulillah. And uh, the main character's name is Anissa. Um, and uh, through that, so literally I was there, you know, through the choosing of the actors, et cetera. And that when, when Anissa walked in the room, I knew it was her. Wow. Uh, we, you know, no acting experience. Acting wasn't even her thing, but she embodied the character. She embodied, as soon as she started reading the lines, I was like, that's her, that's her. 
and then the father came. So Abu came um, and immediate as well. And then we had a switch out of the mother. Uh, so uh, the mother started out as one sister and she had a baby. And so we had to find another character. And although the first mother was actually Muslim, everybody else. So here's a normally this giveaway happens during the play, but I'll give it away to you guys. <laughs> None of the actors are Muslim. Wow. None of the actors in the play are Muslim. And so wow. uh, the writers, uh, the producers, directors, we're all, uh, you know, Muslim or, you know, but the, the, the cast aren't. And there are a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, the mother and father touch each other. So we would, if they were Muslim, we would have to have a husband and wife or a brother and sister to play that part. Yeah. Not easy to uh, find. Uh, we also have the father that touches the daughter. So just a lot of, you know, putting pieces together. So that was yeah. one of the things in the beginning. I remember having a young lady, um, you know, uh, want to be the part of the main character. Now, yeah. the main character spends 99.9% .9 of her time not wearing hijab. Right. On Yomo Kiyama, <laughs> I would not. <laughs> that would not be a question that I have to answer to Allah. Um, so <laughs> of course. Um, and so, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, um, you, you, you know, you, you read well, et cetera. You know, we could fit you into one of the other characters, but I cannot in good conscience have you play the main character who spends 99.9% .9 of her time without her, um, you know, hijab. And so that's how it came about. You know, we really yeah. wanted to tackle, you know, the social issues. Uh, we did quite a few things. So not only did we talk about the empowerment of, you know, girls and, and women in their identity, but we also uh, humanized the, hu the, the Muslim family. Uh, so right. we created hum humor. Uh, we created, you know, the love between the brother and, and the sister and, you know, how he's worried about her and, you know, what the choices that she's making and that kind of thing. And we actually got that as feedback when we came to New York City. Uh, one of the young ladies, Muslim, in the audience, she said, thank you so much for humanizing us, for making people see that we laugh, we're funny, uh, you know, and that, you know, we, 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 we're we not, not these people that all we think about is Islam, Islam, Islam. We have issues yeah. ourselves. You know, of course. We go through stuff too. And so uh, we did that. Uh, the second part of it was uh, there's a piece at the end. I won't give that part away. Uh, but we tackled another issue and it has to do with the social justice issue uh, towards the end of the play. Mm -hmm. And the first city to pick that up was actually in Washington, D.C. So right where wow. laws and everything like that are made is the city that wow. uh, picked up on that uh, particular uh, hint that we put um, into the place. So we tackle quite oh, a few wow. things in the place, subhanAllah. It's something that you have to be in the audience to experience. It's very For hard sure. to describe. Um, uh, we had uh, one of our sponsors uh, in Dallas Okay. He said that. He said, you know what, Halima? He said, you did a beautiful job advertising. You did a beautiful job promoting the play. He said, but this is something that you have to be in the seat in order to experience. This is unbelievable what you've done. So yeah. that was probably one of the best compliments that we've got. So now that I'm hearing this, and again, we have some people commenting they want to watch the play. Uh, we're in Canada, sister. Is there oh any chance of you bringing it to Canada? Where yes, I'm there is. Personally, so is, is there any plans for bringing it to Canada? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
So we've actually gotten quite a few people ask us about Canada. Um, and we're thinking like Toronto, we're trying to, so awesome. one of the things that the play does is we seek out cities that are densely populated with Muslims. So we do that for two reasons. We do that because of course our target audience is, is Muslims, but we also do that. We, we get 30% of our audience is as of a different faith tradition. Wow. So there is an education that happens with the play as well for those of other uh, faith traditions. So yeah. um, when we look at the cities that we choose, we choose densely populated um, Muslim communities for that reason. Amazing. Well, Toronto is definitely one. So inshallah, if you come, I'll make sure to make the drive. Inshallah. What, what, where are you? Where are you? Where are you we're in Montreal. So I'm in oh, Montreal. Yeah. You, know, you have guys have a uh, nice Muslim community. We as do. Well. We do. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you bring it to Canada, I think you definitely Montreal, Toronto is a great place to start. We may have I mean, to do both. We may we, have to inshallah. Do and if you do only one, I'll, I'll do the drive. I'll definitely I'll make the road trip. It's uh, not a problem. Inshallah, inshallah. Inshallah. So Halima, one thing I have a question I have, I have for you, sister, before we move on to the next is you mentioned the cast is not Muslim, which is something beautiful. Um, have you ever gotten any remarks from the actors themselves that them being in this play or them being actors for this play has changed their perspective on Islam or made any changes in their life or, or the way they perceive Muslims? Every single one. Wow. Every single uh, cast member. And um, the mother and the father... Uh, Mashallah, they do such an amazing job. They make you believe you would never think that they are not a real couple in real life. Wow. Uh, they and the mother, she just you ever see that mother that is just so loving and, you know, just cares for her children. She just does it. And part of it is she has a lot of friends who are already Muslim. Uh, that's one. And then the second part of it is she's just a great actress. Right. Amazing. Of course. Um, but what it, what the play did for them, and we do a talk back, so not many people know this and not many plays do this, but we do a talk back at the end of every uh, show. So okay. the show's runtime is 90 minutes. Uh, we have an intermission in the middle, and then we spend 30 minutes at the end where the entire cast crew uh, comes out onto the stage. We sit with mics and we allow the audience to one, give us their feedback right on the spot, and two, to ask any questions they have of the cast. And so, of course, we let go of the secret that none of the cast members are uh, Muslim. Uh, we wow. do it in a cute way. And so it, it, wow. this, we get gasps every single time. So <laughs> we, 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 we so enjoy letting go of that secret um, towards the end. But one, on our last show in Texas, uh, in Dallas, uh, they th th that was one of the questions, you know, have any of you thought about becoming Muslim or have any of you, like you said, changed your perspective? And all of them, yes. You know, they're learning words like inshallah, Alhamdulillah, they're having to go and do research on this. You know, they'll text you. It'll be 11 o'clock at night. They're reading their lines and they're like, uh, Halima, how do I say this word? And then you're sending back a voice note like this and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing for them to be able to play back over and over and again. And then uh, they created their own backstory. So one of the things when you're working with professional actors, they have to have their own backstory in order to be able to bring this character to stage. And yeah. the husband and wife, they helped to bring the cast together and they created this whole whole backstory um, behind why the father feels this way, why the mother is this way, and that um, kind of um, thing. And so they're learning uh, through the process as well. Uh, we have uh, a character who is a police officer in real life. Um, yeah. And so uh, he as well, you know, through his work, of course, he front faces, you know, Muslims, but this kind of gives him a different perspective. And he even talked about how, you know, going into a Muslim person's home, 
is a little bit different than going into maybe another, you know, type of person's home. Um, And, you know, just really starting to, you know, think about those type of things when you, you know, encounter Muslims and that kind of thing. So really humanizing. I think it helped them to, 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 to humanize Muslims, you know, because we're, we're uh, presented in a totally different light uh, in media. And so yeah. to meet some real live Muslims and to be able to, you know, showcase a different side and change our narrative, because that was the yeah. goal. That was 100%. the goal of the play as well, was to change the Muslim narrative. Um, even the the name, not without my hijab. I asked Allah for the name. I did that name did not come from Halima. I, I made. I, I'm telling you the truth. I prayed and I said, Allah. I said, What would you have me do? What What does the name of this book need to be? The name of the book that I had was Unveiling. Okay. Totally, it's called Unveiling. <laughs> Nothing right. to do with not without my hijab. I think and not without my hijab is so catchy and powerful. Honestly, it's so powerful. And yeah. you know, there are other groups now that they are, you know, uh, you know, putting themselves out there. We want respect for ourselves. And to me, not without my hijab does that as well. You know, that yeah. says, you know what? Um, yes, I want to be this amazing woman in business. Yes, I want to be an athlete. Yes, I want to do, uh, you know, all these other things as a woman, as a Muslim woman. But I want to be covered doing it. If that's your plight. So one of the things that we're not about is we're not about changing anyone's mind about wearing hijab or anything like that. We're here to empower those who wear hijab or who would like to wear hijab and they're struggling, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely. And that brings me actually to another topic that I'd love to bring up with you, Hanima, is that you've took it one step further. You've done the children's book. You've done the adult book of Nawadama Hijab, 11 Steps to Reclaiming Your Faith. You've done this stage play and even through your company, BUNHD, you help Muslim women who are entrepreneurs or who want to succeed more in their life, in their career, in business, to do that while embracing their Muslim identity and do that through coaching programs. Can you tell us what inspired you again to take that next step as well and be like, I just need to do even more. I need to go one-on-one and get in there and work with these people. How, how did you do that? And when did you start doing that? Sure. So um, that was always the goal. So BUNHD was actually started in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came from, you know, just my experience in the corporate space, just the conversations that I would, I would have with women and just yeah. them talking about, you know, of, of all faith traditions, not just Muslims, just women of faith, you know, just really wanting to do more for their community, really wanting to change some of the stereotypes, change some of the way that, you know, uh, things were happening in the community. It could be anything from hair insecurity. It could be from modest clothing, uh, hijab, right. you know, modest clothing, hijab, all that kind of stuff. And really just, you know, working with women to understand that everything that they've gone through in their life is actually a, a benefit. Um, right. You know, it's it's almost as if, you know, God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is preparing you for the path that he has put you on. He's preparing you for uh, that BUNHD. He, Allah prepared me. You know, he had me, you know remove my hijab. He made me move away from Islam so that I could come back as a spitfire and really come back like, you know what I mean? Like a freight train, like just coming, you know, with that, um, you know, just force, you know, almost, I mean, in a positive way, not in a, you know, negative way, do what I tell you to do, not that type of way. (laughs) Um, And just, you know, coming uh, that way. So, you know, a lot of women have been beat down by life, 
you know, a lot of women have even in faith, in faith circles, in faith, you know, in communities of faith, you know, been beat, beat down in, in the, within their community. And so one of the things that I work to do is to uplift them and to uh, show them that, no, you know, uh, there's a book that I recommend a lot. It's called The Great Women of Islam. Okay. And it talks about uh, 27 of the women that were around the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 11 of them were his wives and 16 of them were the Sahabiyat. All 27 of them were given the good news of the of paradise by the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam during his lifetime while he was alive. And through that book, we're able to see that in our different roles, so whether we're a mother, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, Khadija radiallahu anha, one of the biggest examples of, you know, uh, what entrepreneurship looks like for Muslim women, right? And how we can succeed in that space and how it's okay for us to be in that space. It was through reading that book and then through my own personal experience in the corporate space and not necessarily having my voice heard or having my own representation in that space that I wanted to kind of create this league of, you know, women. And I, you know, the name of my podcast is Bossy Jabby. And it's for that reason, you know, that as Muslim women, you know, as covered women of faith, we can still have a presence in the corporate uh, world. We can still have our nonprofits out there that um, provide, you know, um, you know, impact for those particular yes. demographics, whatever, whatever we're fighting for, whatever the cause that, you know, we have in front of us, but that we can still be that, we can still be humble and we can still, you know, be shy, you know, have haya, but still be these powerful women. Um, you know, um, Um Salama. She's a perfect example. She was behind yes. that curtain, but she was definitely letting the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam know, listen, we see all of these men and all of this is great. We see all of these ayah, all of this stuff coming out for men. But what about us? And so, you know, we think about all of the, you know, the ayah and the hadith that are attributed to her and many, um, you know, of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and yeah. some of these uh, habiyat, so the female companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So that is one of the classes that I teach and I teach that class uh, to start the foundation. So no business will be successful. Uh, none of our endeavors will be successful unless we have that firm foundation in faith. And, you know, it's a big risk in this day and age to be even talking about faith, finance and business all in the same sentence. But, you know, the further that we go along, um, I just read an article in Forbes uh, that talks about that. And it talks about, you know, the social impact, um, you know, and, you know, social entrepreneurs and a lot of social entrepreneurs uh, it's because of their faith that they're in that social entrepreneurship space. And so just talking about how the world is changing and how, you know, you're not going to be able to go to market or you're not going to be uh, successful in business, especially with your generation, the millennials, you guys are telling, yeah. uh, you know, the, the industry that. You guys yeah. are telling them if your company is not about, you know, saving the environment, your company is not about, you know, tackling these social issues or whatever the case yeah. may be, uh, we're not supporting your business. And yeah. so because of that, um, you know, so that's that's it's a mod podge of things. But that is really the what drives me every single day to be to come to, uh, you know, the table, go on, on lives, podcasts, uh, yeah. you know, develop different programs for these women, because I see how them them you know being successful in this space will help in every other area of their of life course. and will also help I love your your tagline ummapreneur will help <laughs> the ummah it will help yes. us as a whole it will help of us course. as a whole inshallah Inshallah, definitely. And that is that is honestly, I mean, I love what you're saying and I 100% stand by it and I can relate to it a lot because 
the vision behind Umar Printer and the reason why this was even started. And again, I'm just starting off. You are, mashallah, a veteran in the industry and I have so much to learn from you. But the, the, the vision behind this was from the beginning to change the narrative, which is interesting that I use that word because that is, if you go on our website, if you go on our Facebook page, that's within our, we have four core values. One of them is change the narrative because I believe that through empowering Muslims to build businesses, to create impacts and be seen by others in a positive light, contributing to their communities, contributing to the economy, that will help change it as well. You know, we have the Dawah side, we have the faith side, and that's all good, but I feel like we're underrepresented in terms of the, the business side, the entrepreneurship side, going out there, as you mentioned, creating those nonprofits, creating those, uh, those, those changes in these communities that we have around us, whether it's building an amazing new product, providing a, a great service to people and help transcending their lives. And so inshallah, everything you say, and hopefully with your work with Omar Printer, hopefully with this growing, we can help make a difference. Even if it's just a tiny difference, we can help make a difference for the Ummah. And so I, I definitely relate to what you're saying and I stand by 100% Hanima. Thank you for sharing that. Alhamdulillah. Halima, honestly, there's so much I wanted to I want to ask you. I'll ask you a few more. I, I wish I could keep you on for five hours, to be honest, but I know our time is <laughs> limited. So I'll try to keep the questions flowing uh, as best as possible, inshallah. So you work, uh, I'd love this to be a kind of a, a little story where you share where you work with clients, right? As you mentioned, doing these things and teaching them these values and teaching them this perspective of Islam where, you know, there's so many amazing Muslim women through our history that have accomplished so much. And when you open your eyes to that, it allows you to believe and be inspired that you can do the same. What is maybe one client that you had or one transformation that you've witnessed that you went, wow, that was that was a really big transformation or it impacted their life in a significant way. It was something memorable. Is there a story that you can share with us? There are so many. <laughs> um, and, you know, they each have something different. Um, you know, some of them deal with faith. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, someone that, you know, although they may look the part, so, you know, maybe they're covered in hijab, you know, we're the most beautiful abayas, but, you know, they're not feeling it in their heart. You know, their iman is low and that kind of thing. And so uh, through these conversations, we're talking about business, right? But through these conversations about their business, they, they're able to see that through uh, prayer, through connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, that they are able to, uh, you know, impact the people that they want to impact in their business, but that it's also uh, giving them kind of this therapy and helping them with their own um, Islam as well. So uh, one of my first clients, uh, that was her um, experience and right. going from this kind of shy, you know, oh, you know, uh, you know, meek uh, woman to this formidable, uh, you know, woman. I looked at her and I was, you know, she had her first event and I was like, oh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, subhanAllah, you know, mashallah, sister, you know, uh, she went from wanting to write a book to writing the book and then using that book to help um, a nonprofit to uh, gain uh, some of the resources that they needed to be able to help the women that uh, they yeah. need to help. It was a domestic violence shelter. So she used her entrepreneur ship to uh, fund that. So that one was, she was one of the first clients my first year uh, that I thought was beautiful. Um, yeah. One of the ones that is most recent and probably the one that I think um, helped me to understand that, um, you know, to continue my work, first of all, and that I am truly making a difference. Uh, this particular client has been with us a little bit less than a year. Uh, they, she came to me, uh, she was making about $1,000 a month with her business last year. I gave her some pointers. She came in, came out. Uh, she officially became a client, a monthly client um, in November. 
Um, mm-hmm. And we started, you know, a marketing uh, scheme for her. She has a, a product uh, based business. Uh, we started a marketing scheme for her. We started, you know, really uh, diving into who her target demographic was, speaking their language and promoting to them, creating email campaigns, all the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, we moved into a five figure business monthly. I'm talking about monthly very nice. quickly. Well, uh, so now we maintain that, you know, from November, December, all the way um, until March and high, you know, a five figure business, mashallah. Uh, during this pandemic, when the pandemic hit, uh, probably about uh, the middle of March, uh, by April 16th, this business had made six figures. Mashallah, amazing. And, you know, it's not just about, um, you know, making the six figures. It's about one, her being able to do something that she didn't think that she would be able to do. That's one. Um, So that, you know, boosted her self-esteem. You know, the second uh, part of that is that she did this during a pandemic. So during a time when uh, people are scared to either go into business or to push their business, we didn't take that. We pushed our business. And part of that comes from, you know, uh, you know, you take additional, you know, I take additional classes to help my clients. And, mm-hmm. you know, just talking about the whole e- e-commerce uh, business right now, e-commerce business, you know, you know, you know, it's it's sad on one end, you know, we've lost people and, you know, people have lost, you know, a lot during this time. Um, but on the flip side of it, you know, we have been able to flourish during this time, um, you know, as well. And, you know, while people are staying home, everything is online. So uh, e-commerce has been pushed forward, uh, some say five yes. years. Yeah. So e-commerce has been pushed forward five years in what, three months, four months? Yeah. Subhanallah. Oh, we yeah. took advantage of it. We took of advantage course. of it. Now. The kicker, the kicker of all of this is she didn't just take the money and say, yes, six figure business. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Now, we've created a plan that this business is going to be a million dollar brand uh, this year. Bismillah, right? No, we've already we've already put, uh, you know, things in place for that to happen, inshallah. And she is well on her way. Uh, She is pacing uh, to do that, inshallah. But you know what she did with her money? She donated a portion of it. Mashallah, amazing. May Allah accept from her. Tears. Amazing. Because that's the reason why we're doing this in the first place. Of course. I cannot tell you how beautiful <laughs> that was. You know, and she shared it with me. Uh, you know, I'm coaching her. So, you know, you know what I did? And then I'm like, what? You know, and she talked about that. And I was like, subhanAllah. So now, you know, we know that any loan that we give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's going to give back to us. So whether we get it in this life or we're building those bricks for our mansion in Jannah, wherever he decides to, you know, put them, you know, uh, just understanding that, you know, through our business, uh, through our endeavors that we're able to help one, our community right now in the here and now. And then inshallah, we're helping ourselves um, in the hereafter. Inshallah, definitely. And may Allah accept from all of us. Honestly, Halima, it's just, there's so many gems being dropped right now. So many amazing, beautiful stories. This is definitely one of our greatest episodes ever. So I just want to thank Aww. you for, for, bring, for coming on. It's just, you're, 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 your experience and your knowledge really just shines uh, when you speak and it's amazing to see, mashallah. So, uh, Halima, I have one more question for you before we dive, inshallah, to the audience Q&A. And again, I wish I could ask you a million, but I only got one. So uh, let's make it a powerful one. And I guess this is one where all of the group could benefit no matter what they could do. They're all entrepreneurs here. And I think a burning question that all of us have for you, Halima, is uh, how do you manage 
to juggle between everything that you do, right? And we all know you're an overachiever, mashallah, sister, and you have so many projects. You have your play, you, you write books, you're an author, and you have your coaching business. How do you juggle between everything and maintain a routine where you can still maintain your sanity, right? How do you do that? Listen, I'm going <laughs> to tell you it all goes back to faith. Mm. I am team to Hajjit all the way. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm night prayers. Um, you know, and it's 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 that going to sleep, you know, with the intention, inshallah, you know, Allah, please allow me to be of the people that are able to wake up in time to pray to Hajjit and then, you know, pray um, my Fajr, inshallah. And so I'm not, you know, uh, you know, I go to sleep, I wake up, I pray to Hajjit and then we move right into uh, Fajr. So I'm not, you know, praying this, you know, at you know one or two o'clock. I'm praying, it, uh, you know, as close to uh, Fajr as I can. Mm -hmm. But getting that in and just getting in that time you know, where I'm able to uh, connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, mm -hmm. um, they say that if you want, uh, you know, to speak to Allah, um, to pray, um, if you want Allah to speak to you, you read the Quran. So really during that time, you know, of the morning, there's a crispness about the air. Uh, of course. Around, oh man, mashallah, yeah. around that time. And, you know, just falling into sujood and spending that time in sujood, you know, until, you know, until you can't anymore, you know what I mean? Until it's just like, ah, you know, I got to get up from here, you know? Um, but really, you know, asking Allah, you know, how, how do you want to use me? You know, one, you know, uh, Allah, please, you know, make me of those people that you use. And then Allah, how do you want to, how do you want to use me? And, you know, I even go to him and I say, Allah, you know, um, this doesn't feel right, you know, or, you know, this is not going the way that I thought it was going, you know, was going to go, you know, help me, you know, direct me to the way in which it is beneficial, one for, you know, my life here in the dunya, but also is beneficial in the akhirah and also beneficial to the people that I am, you know, helping. You know, a lot of times the ideas that I come up with, they come after prayer. They do. They come after prayer. And, you know, I got to have that sticky note, that notepad to be able to, uh, you know, write them down. But, you know, just really centering yourself and focusing and saying, you know what, um, you know, Allah, you are the guide, right? Um, I'm coming to you. I don't know everything. I'm coming to you. And part of it comes from, too, is my 20 years. Right. Part of it comes from my 20 years and not wanting to see myself back there, not even wanting to go to a place where I'm not fulfilled. I have no connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like that, that fear is just it, it sits like right here, you know, mm. and so it keeps me, you know, like really focused. And, you know, Allah, please, you know what I mean? It keep me in your way, uh, you know, so that I can, inshallah, be of benefit. And, you know, inshallah, in the akhirah, you know, that I reap the reward of, you know, these um, acts. The other thing, too. Uh, uh, is another religious uh, thing, right? Um, you know, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, a sunnah of his was to take a, a nap after dhuhr. Wow! Yes, yes. Listen, I take those. So after, how do you fit that in? I, how do you fit it in? It's not long. It's forty-five okay. minutes. Okay. 40, and literally, sometimes <laughs> I remember one time I went to sleep. It felt like it was a long sleep. It was only like thirty minutes. Mm. So you know, some people may call that their power nap or something like that. Yeah. Forty-five minutes an hour, even thirty minutes. Like I said, that thirty minutes felt like I, it was the most restful sleep I had had probably in a while at that time. Um, but you know, just really, you know taking that um, time. And another thing too is, is my schedule. So alhamdulillah, running my own business, I make my schedule. So mm -hmm. there is a gap in my schedule every single day at Dohar time. Uh, so I don't take, uh, you know, client calls at Dohar, uh, you know, at Dohar time. I take that time to pray my prayer, to sit with myself, meditate. And then, you know, sometimes it's not every day. I won't say that I take an after Dohar nap every single day. But, you know, on those days where like, I 
really need it. You know, I, I, alhamdulillah, I'm able to take it. And, and it's because of those uh, gaps in my, um, you know, uh, schedule. And another thing is, is I learned this from a book. So if there's a book that you want to uh, read, it's called uh, The 12 Week Year. Okay. Um, and it's actually the field guide. So I read the 12 week year, the actual book first, and then they have like a companion manual uh, with it. It's in the companion manual that I actually found this uh, tip. And it's that, um, you know, I put I, I give myself a timer. So, you know, when I'm on my client calls, you know, those are the, those are their times. But then I take breaks. I'll take a 15 minute or a 30 minute break where I'm doing nothing. I don't know if you see the plants behind me, but sometimes I'm watering the plants or tending to the plants, you know, and just, right. you know, taking that mental break. And I will tell you that that didn't come until about two years ago. I was really like chasing my tail three years ago. Like when right. I first started this, I was like, how do people do this? You know what I mean? You're going from one project to the other. And I was like, this is insane. Something has to be done. And then I came across that um, book. And from that book, I was like, okay, we're going to create a schedule that allows me to be able to be true uh, to who I am. Uh, one, you know, with being able to have that connection and those breaks in faith and being able to pray Salah on time and being able to, you know, really have that focused intention. Um, and just the second part of it is, is that I have attention deficit disorder, self, uh, you know, <laughs> proclaimed or whatever. Right. And I'm like, man, I'm sitting here emails, especially I'm like emails, uh, you know, sitting yeah. here, you know, with them, mashallah. So um, when it's those type of tasks, I put myself on a timer. This is your focus and getting it done and literally have a timer. I have a timer that goes off. Doo, 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 you're done. Right. And so, you know, making sure that I get it done within that time. Um, For sure. Inshallah. inshallah, mashallah. And you you also I mean, one thing that you that, you, that I want to highlight is just when I asked you that question, you didn't come and give me, all right, listen, so my schedule is, this is 9 to 12, I do this, and, and I plan my day this way. And you're like, this is how I prepare myself for my work. And you focused on the way that you re-energize. And I think that's a very powerful thing to bring up is that the strategies themselves, and it's something I always tell my students, success in business or in life, it's never about the strategy, right? It's never about the how-to. It's about how you conduct yourself as a person, how you live your day to day. And that will, whether you like it or not, reflect in everything you do, your business, your life relationships. So it's not what strategies you implement in business. It's not, oh, I don't know how to do this marketing thing versus that marketing thing. It's what are you actually doing in your daily life to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, your mind, your faith, your spirituality, to be able to show up in these places, in these times at your best and do your best work. So I think that's an amazing thing that you highlighted and I want to thank you for that, Sister Hadima, alhamdulillah. So one last thing I got for you before we dive into Q&A, inshallah, guys. Make sure to drop your questions. We already got a few waiting. If you have any more, make sure to drop them in the comments for Sister Halima. One last thing I want to ask you is if you could meet Halima from 20 years, before that 20 years where you kind of went through that struggle. And I'm sure all of us, when we look back at our lives, we, we look back and we say, you know, there are things that I might have been able to avoid there are things that i might have been able to do better but we also realized i think at some point that every single step was necessary to make us who we are today so of course i'm not asking this question to say what would you have done differently but more if you if you could meet that woman that girl that young girl that young sister hadima uh before she went through that period where she was struggling with her face and you could tell her one thing what would that one thing be and you can take your time. I know it's a bit of a, 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 a tough, a tough question, but I'd love to hear your answer. <laughs> I've got it. Um, and it would sure. be, don't stay away too long. Mm. 
Beautiful. It would be don't stay away too long. Um, you know, al alhamdulillah, I thank Allah for the 20 years. Yeah. Um, but I, it would have been more, uh, it would have been more wonderful if I could have spent less time. Um, alhamdulillah, these last five years have probably been the best five years of my life. Um, you know, I came to Islam mm -hmm. on my own this time. You know, I yeah. was born into Islam, born to Muslim parents. I was always Halima, you know, was, there was never anything else, you know, alhamdulillah. Yeah. But I came five years ago, I came on my own and I came mm -hmm. looking for my own understanding of Islam. And so what I would say is don't stay away too long. And one of the things that I talk to the young girls and I pray there are some uh, mothers or even fathers that are listening, um, you know, is that. You know, I talk about how, yes, you know, this dunya, these four walls of this dunya, ooh, they can be powerful. You know, they can kind of, you know, close us in and make us feel, uh, you know, that because we are so different, it makes us feel like we're out of place. And, you know, the best thing that we can do is to just join them. If we can't beat this system, we can't beat, you know, the people that are around us that think negatively about us. Hey, we'll just join. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. become like, you know, the, 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 the scenery behind me and I'll just blend in. You know, really me taking off my hijab was was me hiding and, and, and me kind of blending into uh, the background. And so I would say, you know, that conversation with uh, younger Halima would be, you know, to not stay away too long and to understand that, you know, what you have uh, in Islam, you know, as a Muslim uh, is, is, is far better than anything um, that this dunya has to offer. It doesn't Mashallah. seem like it, but... Halima, um, this is your older you that has been through all of it. I'm telling you <laughs> that you have everything that you need uh, within Islam. Amazing, mashallah. And that is so powerful. And with Halima, I think that I expected to have this episode be about entrepreneurship. And next thing you know, I'm walking out of here, not only with gems on entrepreneurship, <laughs> but I'm walking out of here. I swear to God, I'm not like you. I'm walking here with a very strong boost in Iman right now. And I'm sure that all of us listening are too, mashallah. So guys, I really hope you're listening. If you feel the same way, let me know in the comments because right now, Halima has just given me an amazing boost in Iman just by listening to her speech and the way that she views life and work and everything that she does and her inspiration behind it all is just amazing to hear mashallah so it was just beautiful to have you on now halima before we um we end the episode i love to dive into a few questions from the audience if that's okay with you we'll answer a few of them inshallah so we'll start with one here that we have from sister Ilham, which is a, a nice and short one and it's when is the next stage play for your show uh not without my hijab when will it be and where Inshallah. So uh, because of COVID-19, uh, we've gone through uh, some of those uh, restrictions. So we had uh, a few shows planned for uh, this year and mm -hmm. uh, we kind of had to, you know, curtail them until the 2021 season. So if you know anything about theater, the way that you sit in theaters, uh, you know, they have to come up with a different plan, even remove seating yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, and just for we had an August show. So next month uh, that was coming up um, and we had to uh, cancel the show. We didn't even postpone it because theaters don't even know what it's going to look like for 2021 mm. yet. Uh, so right now uh, they are looking at dates in the middle of 2021. Um, and when you look at uh, the theater industry as a whole. And so uh, we're working in the background. 
Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we, it's not going to stop the show. So, <laughs> inshallah, of course. Inshallah, our goal is mid uh, 2021, inshallah, to bring the play back to stage. But don't be surprised if you see, uh, you know, this uh, title come in a different format, inshallah. So, okay. inshallah. Just definitely. I mean, I'd love, I don't, I, again, I, I know you said the, uh, and I definitely will, uh, may Allah, you know, keep the show going on because it's an amazing uh, show and bring it to uh, Canada, please. So we can, so, yeah, so we can, uh, we can attend and uh, I'd love, again, I know the experience is really in person, but if ever you do decide to put something out that people could watch all over the world, I'd love you. I'd love for you to let us know. So I could also let everyone in the group know, inshallah. So uh, another question that we have here is, uh, do you plan on writing a second book in the future? So do you have any plans for continuing your writing career and writing something yes. else? Yes. So I actually have two official books. Uh, so that's Jenna's first hijab and not without mm -hmm. my hijab. I also have a planner. Uh, the name of it is called the boss hijabi planner. Again, Faith, Beautiful. family, and finances is the goal <laughs> of that particular planner. Even has a space for you to mark down, did you pray? Five right. spaces for prayer. Um, did you pray? Um, you know, and it's uh, it's for entrepreneurs. So uh, for entrepreneurs that are in sales. So there's a sales tracker in it and all that kind of stuff. Um, inshallah, the next book that I'm writing, uh, inshallah, soon to come, uh, is a book that is on faith and finances and how, um, you know, as female entrepreneurs, how we can, uh, you know, kind of dive into uh, that space. And of course, I'm going to bring it from the perspective of a Muslim, um, you know, entrepreneur talking from that perspective. Uh, a lot of the books that I've read in preparation for writing this book have been uh, people of other faith traditions talking about how they were able to build businesses based on whatever their faith was. I don't right. necessarily see a book out there from the female perspective, number one, and then from the Muslim perspective on this particular topic. And so I think that it's important for us to uh, put ourselves out there. And as you said, you know, umapreneur, uh, social entrepreneurship, you know, all of that speaks to us, you know, in the manner that was given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yeah. you know, to uh, be of benefit, you know, be of benefit, of course, to the Muslim community, but just be of benefit, you know, in, in the world that we live in, right? And so just really talking about that and how moving forward, how the world is starting to come over to that. You know, uh, just a, a quick, uh, you know, kind of note is that, you know, the halal industry is a trillion dollar industry. Yes. Uh, and if you think about it, you know, uh, when you talk about uh, uh, um, uh, trying to think uh, real estate, when you yes. talk about real estate, a lot of in banking, especially real estate and banking, a lot of American businesses are looking to halal, uh, the halal way of uh, those particular industries of real yes. estate, of banking. So they're looking to adopt the way that the halal industry, um, you know, conducts business in that way, um, even food. So even food, if you think about it, a lot of, you know, uh, consumers of other faith traditions are looking for that halal uh, label in the supermarket. So, you know, there's a lot as Muslims that, you know, we we've it's all we've known our whole life. And now the world is kind of, you know, looking and like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, this they, they have something here. So and um, I think and I think what started that and what really got these bigger businesses to, to realize that is when these smaller halal startups, these smaller Muslim startups came in and said, Hey, we're gonna offer halal investing, we're gonna offer halal financing, and we're gonna offer these halal options. And they realized, oh wow, like these companies are starting this up and it's growing. We already have the resources in place to do this. Let's go ahead and offer this. And that's exactly what it means to change the narrative as a Muslim entrepreneur is to go out there and, and do something and then 
through your business, through your work, make others realize, hey, listen, there's an economy here and we are people that have demands, that have needs, and we have our own, you know, society that we need things catered to us as well, just like we they're catered to other things and catered to, to Jewish people with kosher products, et cetera. We'd also like things catered to us as well. And I think by starting up businesses that are successful in those industries, we're proving to others that this is an industry that is worth tapping to. And there's immense benefit in that. I mean, especially with... I mean, you were getting representation now with even Nike, right? Was releasing these sports hijabs and yes. uh, we have the burkini now. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, that was not a thing. So, and, uh, subhanAllah, I mean, it's nice to see these things because now at least we have some form of representation in the media and it's not just, hey, and there's this crazy war happening or there's these crazy people doing crazy things. It's, oh no, yeah. there's there's Muslim athletes and there's Muslim uh, financiers and bankers and real estate mm -hmm. investors. And you know, yes. we're from all walks of life. And I think that's amazing and beautiful to see. So uh, definitely, Michelle, I love your answer. I have another question here from Sister Ascarini and this is related to uh, writing. So the sister, she she's thinking of starting a coaching program, which is um, to help teenagers heal from mental health issues through writing. Right. So using writing as kind of like a healing tool. And she'd like your opinion on that or even maybe your advice. Uh, is this something that you've ever explored? Is this any advice I can give on her for something within that sphere of helping teenagers heal through writing as a coaching program? That's something that she's thinking about. Absolutely. Just put it out there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, another one of those uh, areas that, you know, we've kind of, uh, you know, covered it up, uh, you know, with a Band-Aid. Yeah. Um, and now uh, we need to kind of rip that Band-Aid off and expose it. Um, you know, yeah. uh, one of the things, you know, uh, and this is not just uh, specific to Muslims. Uh, this is people of other faith traditions as well, where it's like, why are you having mental health issues? Hey, just connect to God. Right. And yeah. so, no, you know, what I mean? <laughs> uh, this is a real uh, thing. And, you know, Allah gave us medicine. Allah gave us the knowledge and the know-how to be able to, uh, you know, help people in this particular area. And so one of the things that I'm famous for saying is there's nothing to it but to just do it. And so what I would say to you is, you know, start small, start in your local community and start putting it out there that, hey, you know, I want to present this alternative therapy to uh, some of the mental health issues that plague teenagers today. And, you know, if we are going to have a productive society, we need to start tackling the issues younger. You know, yeah. think about it. I think about my generation. I think about my mother's generation and the generation before it. We, they were all about putting that Band-Aid over things, shoving things in the closet. And then you look 10, 20 years later, you have, they resurface and then they're, they're even bigger. They've grown. And so, you know, mashallah, beautiful uh, sister that you would want to tackle that. And there are a lot of women. There's actually a community of Muslim women that's growing and they're tackling that very issue. And I think that, you know, we need to have more of it uh, starting young. And so uh, being able to, you know, having parents, even having parents be able to recognize uh, some of the mental health issues that their child has before it grows into something even greater. You know, maybe it surfaces at 10 or 11, you know, whereas, yeah. you know, before, you know, you might, might be 13 or 14, this kid has been going through all kinds of craziness, you know, because they don't know that they haven't been diagnosed. They don't know. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you're, you're, you're starting them a little bit younger, diagnosing it and then giving them these alternative forms of um, therapy. And I love writing. Um, and I could totally see that as a, as a great outlet for the youth as well. Of course, definitely. So thank you for answering that. And one last 
question, um, Hanima, for you, because I know we're, we're almost up on time. So I really appreciate you just sharing all of your knowledge with this group. Honestly, Jazakallah khair. And I really hope that uh, everyone listening, everyone watching to this, that you guys go and check out Halima's books, her resources in on her website, Halima de Oliveira, or also in BUNHD, all that she does, uh, because it's absolutely wonderful and it's amazing and it's life-changing, to be honest. One last question we have for you from the audience. I'll sum it up here. I won't say the exact one. It's a little bit longer, but the summary of the question is, uh, that person is asking about how to be a better author, or how to even write their first book. Is there some sort of process that you go through? Is there a structure that you follow? How, what does what constitutes a good book exactly? Um, I think um, you know being able to speak to your audience. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of what I do with my clients, uh, whether they're writing a book or if they're just you know marketing their business to their particular uh, client, is to know 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 who your target audience is. Know exactly know what they need. Um, know, you know, why, why are they coming to you? What is the question? What is the problem that you're solving? If you're, Mm -hmm. everything that you do should be solving a problem, including a book. What does your, what does your product solve? So what does that book um, solve? The other thing too is, is not being afraid to share your own experiences. You know, if we look at the seerah of the Prophet the ahadith, you know, all of these stories from the Sahaba and the Sahabiyat, these were all stories. These were all their um, accounts of what was happening at that time and so not being able not being afraid to share your story and to put interject uh, pieces of your story depending on what type of book you're um you know writing and, and being transparent um yeah. you know in that space you know not without my hijab was very uh you know transparent and a lot of the feedback that i get from the reader my target audience right um is wow thank you so much for uh you know giving us a voice and yeah. for saying some of the things that we are feeling you know on the inside but don't necessarily have uh the the vehicle or the outlet to be able to uh, put it out there um the other thing too as far as like the writing process um is to be uh diligent and so basically what that means is my time to write every single day is four o'clock from 4.15, 4.30, something like that. Um, I write from four o'clock to 4.15, four o'clock to 4.30, depending on the day, depending on what the schedule looks like. Okay. But when that when that timer goes off at four o'clock, I'm sitting there and I'm writing, even if it's a page, even if it's half of a line, half of a sentence, whatever the case may be, but sitting every single day and, uh, you know, understanding that this is a process. Um, it could take you six months. It could take you a year. I know some people that have been working on books for two years, just because there's a lot of intensive research that may go behind it, whatever the case may be. So depending on what type of book that you're writing, uh, stick with the process. Make okay. sure that you are giving time to it every single day. Beautiful, mashallah. So as you said it here, consistency and really training yourself to do whatever it is, whether it's small, like you said, one page, half a line, but as long as you're, you're consistent and you do it every day. And I think that's a principle that not only applies to writing, but applies to every single business model, anything you're trying to do, it's all about consistency, guys. Some days we're not feeling it. Some days we want to do more. But as long as we do a little bit every day, we take one small step every day, then inshallah, we get to our goal. Next thing you know, you're looking back and you're, you've done so much over a year, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how it goes, mashallah. So Sister Halima, you've shared so much. You've honestly inspired us today. You've given us a boost in Iman. You've given us gems to take away for our businesses. You've given us just an absolute amount of value, a mountain of gems to take home. And I just want to know, how can we support you? How can we follow your work? How can we buy your books? How can we just help you do more of what you do? Because what you do is so needed in the Muslim Ummah. 
Jazakallah uh, I so, so appreciate that. Um, everything that you can uh, find about, uh, you know, me, everything that I'm doing, all of the programs are actually on my website, halimadealivera.com. So real easy, www.myfirstnamelastname.com. Um, our books are available on that particular uh, website and also all of our programming. Uh, the two upcoming programs that I do want to highlight um, are, the first one is our Journey to Light Conference. Uh, okay. So basically, Basically, literally the conversations that we're, we just had on this particular episode, this is what we're going to be talking about in the conference. All women, uh, you know, all of the, um, you know, presenters are all women and they're coming from different industries, etc. But we're talking about faith as a foundation, um, even this time right now. So right now we're in the Hajj season, um, you know, and we know what a spiritual time Hajj is. And so yeah. we're kind of not only 10,000, there were 10,000, mashallah, that were chosen uh, wow. to be able to go to Allah's house. Yeah, we, 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 oh, mashallah for them, right? Yeah, definitely. But for the rest of us, couple of billion, right? Almost two billion, mashallah, right? Uh, that are home. We can still have that same Hajj experience. We can still have that same takeaway. And so, inshallah, with the Journey to Light Conference, that's what we're looking to do. We're looking Beautiful. to give you all of the different aspects. You know, you probably you go to Hajj and you pray for a spouse. You go to Hajj and you pray for better finances. You go to a Hajj, better relationships with family, children, all of that, right? We're going to bring that together in a conference through nine topics. And inshallah, you leave with that same, like you said, boost in Iman. You leave with that Amazing. same uh, experience. But not just about your faith, but how your faith is the foundation for you to leap from for every area of your life. You want to have, you know, increased, uh, you know, wealth. Uh, are you giving uh, some sadaqah? Are you, are you paying your zakah? Are you doing? That's how it happens. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, you give here and, you know, it's, it's, it goes That's like it. this. So uh, we are talking about a little bit of all of that, um, you know, and trying to give you that Hajj experience uh, from the comfort of your home. It's a three-day conference, oh, August inshallah. 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, inshallah. How can people can sign up? You can yeah, register for it right at www.halimadealivera.com. Uh, you click on the events uh, link and it'll actually say Journey to uh, light, Towards the Light Conference. Um, and you can register there, inshallah. Um, and then the second thing is is happening right now. So uh, we have a launch good campaign going on right now. Uh, we are building water wells, inshallah, in Somalia. Uh, we've partnered together with Penny Appeal USA, um, and it is on the launch good platform. So inshallah, you get some barakah right now. Yomal Arafah, come on, get that barakah. <laughs> of course. Inshallah. <laughs> Then, you know, $10, whatever amount, um, inshallah, we are uh, looking. So we did this in Ramadan. Alhamdulillah, we were able to raise enough for a well and a half. So now we're coming back. Hey, help us get that other half of the well. We started out at $2,500 uh, that we needed. We need uh, just a little bit under uh, $1,600. I think about 1500 $1,600, inshallah, to be able to complete that second well, inshallah. inshallah. And, you know, that well, of course, we know what giving water uh, does. You know, uh, we're giving a life, uh, you of know, course. sustaining resource. Like, come on, you know, to yeah. other Muslims. Uh, you know, the second part of it is, you know, you're giving it at a beautiful time. And also, uh, you know, my father, he passed away um, oh, and we're actually uh, donating the wells uh, in his honor. So you're getting, you know, you're getting so much for the price of one. You know? <laughs> May Allah have mercy on I his soul. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I mean, I mean. So um, inshallah, you will see my face inshallah 
when the wells are done, I will be there. Um, you know, Beautiful, this, you're, Honestly, you, the, the things that you do, Hanima, and just the amount of work and projects that you have going on, you're just, I hope, inshallah, that I can be at your level, um, you know, at, at a later better. time. So inshallah, I, I really hope so. Inshallah. So sister, we're going to drop all these links in the comments, guys. We've already dropped your website. We've dropped um, the BUNHD website. We're going to drop everything in the description and comments. So make sure you check those out, inshallah. Harima, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Again, it has been an absolute pleasure. One of the most powerful episodes we have ever filmed, and I'm not even exaggerating, and I'm sure everyone has benefited. I mean, I'm just looking at the comments, and the amount of people that are saying that this has been one of the best episodes is staggering. So just jazakallah khair. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. On behalf of all Oma printers, it was an honor. I hope we see you again on this podcast, inshallah. Inshallah, I will come back. Amazing, amazing. Inshallah. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Thank you for watching. Make sure to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, all these amazing platforms. Keep supporting us, inshallah. And join our Facebook group if you haven't already to watch them live. We'll see you next episode. Assalamu alaikum.